I'm Aaron Gittleman from Localized.City, and this is my first apartment. As a native New Yorker, I'm fascinated by people's first experiences in this city and the story of finding their home, both physical and emotional. Today, we have Peter Vandere of New York Multifamily, a part of Marcus and Millichap. This experience with multifamily transactions places Peter at this exciting nexus of commercial and residential real estate. To those unfamiliar, multifamily transactions are the sales of buildings that accommodate multiple residents, multiple families. So Peter's clients are essentially investors, potential landlords, so to speak, but they are investing in residential real estate. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. And did that make sense? That totally made sense. Uh, yeah, good job on that intro, Aaron. And uh, I'm really happy to be here. All right. Likewise, I'm very happy to yeah. have you here. This will um, be fun. And uh, we'll dip the toes in. Um, I'll probably save the questions about New York's new rent bill for later. Okay. But um, for now... Um, save them for way later. Way later. Um, <laughs> no, just in, kidding. Yeah. In what, two to four years yeah. after another election yeah, happens? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, save it for five years from now. <laughs> All right. Um, so look, there's a lot of adjustments to be made, but we're... You you know, we're, I think most people, when you look at it objectively, you'll realize that um, these are 100-year-old buildings. In some cases, they're 120 years old. Sometimes they're 80 years old. But they, anyways, they're old buildings, and they need money to be invested in them so the housing stock is improved and kept up to date. And so no one really wins in a city where the housing stock is shitty. Yeah. And the so so the you know the 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 public the legislator and the you know all the the um you know pu public governing bodies um are going to have to adjust things so uh, everybody who lives in the city um can live in a place where the housing stock is good. So you don't have yeah. like a revitalization of Williamsburg or or you know Sobro or areas like this if the housing stock sucks. You know, none of that stuff happens. You're not buying artisanal chocolate somewhere in Brooklyn if there's bad housing stock. Can I jump in there? Do so. people in your sec sector of the industry call it Sobro? This is so Sobro I mean, being the South Bronx. South Bronx. I, look, I don't know. I mean, you hear it mm -hmm. a little bit. All but, right. Well, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm a Bronx um, native myself. I'm oh, a okay. third generation Bronxite. Right, um, yeah, I find that I mean, as as any New Yorker does, when a neighborhood changes its name, there's like a slight eye roll. Yeah, um, it feels like I mean, a little bit like. Yeah. I, I, um, and this will be a good seg for for the next um, point where we talk about your first apartment. Sure. So um, everything south of 14th Street in the East Side was called the Lower East Side up until the East Village was rebranded as a as, as the East Village. As the East Village, right? Um, and you you told me that your first apartment was in the Lower East Side. Is that Yes, Correct. and I, it was actually technically in the Lower East Side. The real Lower um, East Side. Yeah, so that my first apartment was on the corner of Ridge and Rivington. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a uh, recently uh, renovated school building. Um, God, I... I I ended up looking up the landlord. I, for, I forget, you know, who did that work because um, it's been um, over 20 years ago now. But yes, that was uh, two, uh, two of my friends from college had a two-bedroom apartment and uh, the rent was still a little bit too high for all, uh, the three of us. And so I was looking for a place and they asked me to join in and I actually, yeah... Uh, you know, like like a lot of people, I, I shared a room oh, uh, wow. the, the, my first uh, 11, 12 months in the city and so, uh, lot, lots of laughs, actually. So you, you grew up in Los Angeles, uh, a city where sharing rooms is probably far less frequent than in New York City. Yeah, 100%. Um, did you ever share a room growing up? 
Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Actually. So, yeah. and I guess, I assume, where did you go to college? I went to Boston College. All right. Yeah. Um, go Eagles. So, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess you're probably a little after Doug Flutie. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, slightly. Slightly. Um, but BC's had some good teams in a variety of sports. Yes. Um, so, um, moments. when you were at BC, did you share a room? Um, like your freshman yes, year? Yes, yes. Every year I did. Oh, every year. Yeah, did, that's the so, way it was. Oh, okay, so then by the time you came to New York, this was like your fifth straight year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I would graduate new, to adulthood, but we just had to extend that uh, extend that part of the world for, okay. so, my world for one more year. So the setup, um, bunk beds? No, these were these were not bunk beds. We didn't go that far. Okay, but, uh, was it a big room at least? Yeah, actually, it was a yeah. It was an oversized room because okay. the the way the layout worked in this particular building because it was a renovated old school. Um, the sizes of the rooms and like the ceiling heights were like kind of there. There were not. This was not a uh, you know a, a cookie cutter like white box type yeah. building. So uh, it was interesting that way. And, um, and just sorry, to but when you say old school, there's no hyphen. It is literally. Yeah, uh, it was a school. Yeah, I didn't mean old school no, like so yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> yeah, no. This this was uh, this was a former school. How about yes. that? Yeah. A former school. I think that yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that might, gives a little more. That might be a little better. Yeah. So it was it was a big room. So your friends they were living in it already before you showed up. They had been in there like two weeks and realized that. Um, I, they couldn't pay the $900 a month each. And so we, because the total rent was $1,800 a month. So we had to split it and we brought the rent down to $600 a month. Oh, and that wow. just felt a lot better. That extra $300, oh, uh, I, you know, for each of us made, made were, a big difference. Were you working in real estate at the time? Or? So I, I think, um, you know, as far as what you're doing here on the podcast, that was, you know, they had found this. They had found, probably found it kind of a typical way through a broker. Um, the next, we lived in that unit for about 11 months, but the next apartment was really my most interesting uh, story kind of that has to do with your topic here because um, from Ridge and Rivington there, I had to walk um, uh, up uh, Ridge Street up to Houston, past Houston, up to Third Street, and make a left, and it was and and then go towards Avenue A, and that was about um, six blocks to drop my dry cleaning off because there was no there there was actually um, at at that time. So this was yeah you know late nineties. 1997, 1998, there was no, I had to walk six blocks to find an ATM from Ridge and Rivington. So the Lower East Side really has changed so much. It, it changed a lot by the time we got there. And it, yeah. it's, it, it's it, you know, it's like a circus down there today. But if you think about that, we had to walk six blocks to get to an ATM. And um, anyway, so I'd go on this uh, walk to the um, get my, uh, you know, drop off and uh, retrieve my dry cleaning. And on my walk back on the corner of uh, 2nd Street and Avenue B, there was like an industrial loft type building. And I think especially for people who come uh, from out of town and they move to New York, you have this kind of uh, romanticized idea of some, you know, downtown industrial lofty type buildings. And so I saw this building and, I'm, you know, you couldn't tell really what it was from the outside. But when I would uh, drop, uh, you know, come back at nighttime, you could see there was lights on in the apartment and people were living there. And um, so this is, you know, the beginnings of some of the like the real estate detective work, uh, you know, coming out that probably, you know, led to some of the stuff that I do in the, in the industry. But I ended up kind of watching the front door and I finally found someone who was coming out of the, at the front door at the same time. And I, you know, went up to this guy, um, and his name was Dana and, um, 
he, I, you know, I said, I got to find the owner of the building. He said, oh, he's this guy, Manny. He lives on the top floor and, you know, you'll never really, you'll never be able to get in touch with him. So, I'm, so this is, you know, we're coming around the corner of our first year in, in this lease. And I'm like, you know what? We got to try to live in this building. There's three of us. And so I would just start calling out this guy's name, Manny, Manny, you know, every time I'd walk by. And sometimes I just, if I was bored, I'd walk up there and try to find this guy. And finally, this guy waves me up. I get in touch with him. He waves me up and he comes down. He has a a uh, manually operated elevator that's just for him to take him up to his unit and um you know just a real real classic story and um he said okay it just worked out that one of the tenants was moving out and these were 2000 square foot rectangular lofts on a, oh on God. a corner like an unbelievable uh, thing for compared to the 400 feet that we were in you know in the back of some in the bowels of some former school right and so um he put his rent out there and we, um, we all were short. We, we, we couldn't hack it. And, uh, I went home and, uh, like, God, we got to live in this unit. You know, we're, we're, you know, you're young, you're having fun, you're partying, you're having, you know, fun in New York and all that kind of stuff. And I, I went back to him and I said, if we pay you the rent up front, will you drop the, the total annual rent by $6,000? And he said, you'll give me all the cash day one. And I said, yeah. And he agreed to it. So wait, we, wait. So, so where did you like come up with that idea? I I don't know. It just was it, that you, or you're going to take the credit? No, that was yeah. It was okay. my idea. Um, okay. you, you know, I think a lot of people are like this. Um, you go to bed with a problem, and then you wake up with a couple solutions. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I try to. I I really employ that all the time. Um, you know, with a lot of stuff. And sometimes you get a creative idea. So that just came out of my mouth. I mean, he, he agreed in it. So I walked back to my two roommates. I'm like, hey, you want the good news? Good news is I got the apartment. The bad news is we each have to come up with like $8,000 or something like that, $9,000. So, yeah, they kind of freaked out for a second. And um, over the next day or two, uh, we had all reached out to our fathers and said, um, you know, you probably invest. Why don't you front us the money? And then we'll pay you back on a monthly basis with a little bit of a return, which they all agreed to because, you know, now it kind of strength, you know, there was a little relationship with your dad, dad there and he's helping you out and, and you were making him a little return. So it became this kind of holistic, like win win for everybody. So we walked in two weeks later, gave the landlord, you know, his thirty dollars or thirty grand up front. Well, we got the unit and, uh, you know, for the next several years, we had an apartment that was three or four times the size of. Uh, you know any any of our peers and it added, ended up being a lot of fun but it was across the street from a fire station oh so i i have a fire station story um which i'll probably i can get to a little later i have a couple questions about this apartment before we get into the fire station news okay. case all right so um you get there and it's like this it's sprawling had you like ever seen something that big in new york no no this is 2000 feet yeah. like 23 that's 23 that's years like, old or, yeah. yeah that's their homes yeah. there are there are standalone homes in this city that aren't 100 percent. yeah um so then i guess was it de- like how do you decorate how do you furnish 2000 feet um i don't know those were not those were not you know i think um, you, you know, I think when you're that age, you're basically trying to say to yourself, okay, how can I set myself up in an environment to try to meet women? Yes. Okay. So. Which were you, when, when, so <laughs> did you guys do like a, we go back and you can, you can tell me later if you don't want to do it right now. When you shared the bedroom, <laughs> yes. um, was that, was that a dry year? 
Or, uh, um, or like, was it like a tire on the door? Or a sock we, on yeah, the we we had our own system. Okay, you we had, had our, your own. We, systems. we had our own communication. I see. Methods. I see a ring on yes. your finger. You don't need to tell me about those yes. systems. Yes. Um, so then, okay, so just so, celebrated 15 years. All right, of Mazel tov. Very, very happy um, marriage. Yeah. So then, you. so okay, so this is this is Lower East Side in, in the late 90s. Um, yeah. How safe was it for you, at least, coming from LA and then Boston? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think statistically the neighborhood uh, was was getting better, but was still not necessarily that safe. Um, we had no problems. Okay. We had no um, problems. That's good. Yeah. You got to embrace your neighborhood. Yeah. You know about that as far as that goes, and um, you know, hats off to the you know my two friends. We were very, um, our mindset was about that. And what I mean by that is we, you know, there are, you, yeah, this is a New York story. You know, there are characters who are fixtures in your neighborhood. There, there are people who are sit on the same stoop at the same time every day. There's people in at there at, at that time. It was the bodegas. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, you just see the same characters doing their thing. And uh, we really stuck out because we were, you know, at that point we were all wearing suits and um, we were the only people in, in suits on those blocks. And so you you kind of resentment. Oh no, not at all. It was just people were just like, "What the hell are you guys doing down here?" You know. But, um, anyways, but you there are little funny things that happen. You 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 get to know these characters, and they know you, and they're you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's just what I thought about when you asked me about the safety. Is is that you know that's a total New York experience too. I, I would much rather be in an unsafe neighborhood that's crowded. Yes. Then in an unsafe neighborhood that's not crowded. Oh, I mean, that's like basic Jane Jacobs, like the New York's multi-use districts. Yes. The idea, yep. like what makes New York special is the fact that virtually no, cor- not no corner, but like most of where people live in New York is yeah. crowded. We have 24-hour stores. People we have eyes and ears on yeah. the streets. Yeah, your um, people are here. And I mean, Some which, of the people are weird, but the people are here. Well, They're I think people. also like some actually the most <laughs> dangerous times in New York, it isn't at late at night. The most dangerous times in New York is that period after schools let out before jobs let out. Like the only times I ever got mugged growing up were between the hours of two and five. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, so then I guess uh, the sounds of that apartment, you mentioned the firehouse. I, my first apartment in New York city was on 13th and fourth. Um, I guess right now it's, um, Liquiteria is around the corner. It used to be a blimpies. Yeah. We moved in. It was still the blimpies. Yeah. We knew it was time to throw out things in our fridge when like we saw a blimpies sub there and yeah. it was like blimpies has been closed for six well, months. Well, 13th and 4th, you're like real, you were upscale, man. Oh, you, that you was, were, you were high living that, at that, that point. I mean, yeah. that was a, well, that was a, an apartment where we, we obviously built another room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, my rent was 50% of my take home pay. It was like 60% of my take home pay, but like I didn't. It was yeah. literally, as you said, we got an apartment so that we could meet, meet women. We had like, yes. it was, we had this great space. We had this huge, like almost flop house living room where like we had a projector cause we couldn't have afforded a TV and we had like a futon, but no futon case or whatever. So it's just like against the wall. Some people called it like a crack den vibe. Yeah. Um, and then we had this outdoor space. So the outdoor space. It was a second floor outdoor space, and we shared an alley with the fire with a firehouse. Oh, you're you're killing it! I mean, well, oh yeah, it was that was yeah. that was top level. So it was great though. The first eight months, the firehouse was under construction. We didn't hear anything. There were no issues. We would hold these huge parties, pre games. People would flick the cigarette butts, the joint butts to the alley. Eight months later, our first party when the firehouse reopened, and like. It's, I th- it might, yeah, who knows the exact, I don't remember the exact party, but like, we're going at it, it's great, um, 
like people have been flicking cigarette butts over and you hear the knock and like if a neighbor's knocking they knock yeah this was the this was the police knock yeah the, um, yeah the fire department knock l- luckily it was the fire department knock yeah. um and they looked at us and we're like oh shit um, we put everything away, um, and then they come in and they say, "We don't care about the party. We don't care about what you're doing. Somebody come down and pick up every single cigarette butt." So my roommate went down. I was not in any space yeah. to deal with them. A roommate went down and dealt with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was it like by, living? By the, yeah, yeah. By the way, we we had one experience there um, we, when you mentioned cigarette butts. We had scaffolding uh, for a while, and we had a party one night, and someone flicked a, c- a cigarette butt down in, in scaffolding, which. Um, you know, I think if you do it a hundred times, ninety nine of them are fine. And, but and, and there were definitely people smoking, do, you know, doing this a lot. Uh, but there was one night where we did that, where the cigarette basically created a, a, a smolder on the scaffolding. It wasn't a full fledged fire, but we woke up and there was smoke in the uh, like all the common areas of the building, like thick smoke, like there was a smolder. So. Yeah, cigarette butts outside of a fire department. I don't think it's, they're going to a firehouse. The they're not going to be happy about that. So I guess. Um, <laughs> so then I guess circling back. Um, do you, what do you imagine will happen? What do you imagine the future of this rent law will be? Like, so for me, I'm not um, a market. I'm a, I'm a market rate tenant. I'm not. But um, I've benefited from this where when I signed my lease, I had to pay first and last month's rent. And when I re-signed the lease, I was like, by the way, give me that last month's rent back. Yeah. And um, they said, yes, they only marginally raised the rent. What, what, do you, what do you imagine staying and going from this rent law? Um, you, you know, well, you bring up a good point. I mean, there are the like six or seven big financial levers of the law that changed how you do, how you do the business in terms of financial incentives. And then there's about 55 little administrative ones. Uh, one of them, which you just mentioned, there's also things that affect rental agents in terms of what they can take for application fees. Yeah. And this has totally changed how they calculate the, their business and, you know, you know, dealing with their operating. So, so there are a lot of other things like that, that uh, were indirect that are, that I don't think we're, we have enough time going back that impact the operations. So I think, um, you know, there's that aspect. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. We could go through them one by one, but I think in general, I think the, the law, it's a, it's a big reaction. It was a big push. And, um, I, but I think it's going to have to adjust for the benefit of the entire city. Yeah. You know, no, no one wants to live in a city where there's a, an affordable housing problem. Yeah. But, I mean, but, right, but, yeah. but the, the, the way you, you, you solve the affordable housing problem and the affordability gap, there are two ways in my opinion. You massively increase supply, and then you you seriously promote home ownership for lower income people. Yeah, uh, because the the quality of life, community, the quality of the buildings, the quality of the neighborhoods skyrockets when you have home ownership, and not only in terms of uh, of kind of the the what it does in ter- for self concept and and taking pride and also just you know frankly just building up equity yeah. so all this money that is being directed in terms of you know kind of um, punitive legislation and all this type of stuff um, I would love to see it reversed in a way where you're promoting massive increases of supply so I mean there there are whole neighborhoods that um, could that where buildings are not being uh, redeveloped to two and three times their size increasing the supply. Uh, because there's, you know, legacy tenants in there that you can't displace for. A, a, so, you know, I think, um, 
you know, overall the city, I think the push should be massively increased supply. And then I would love to see home ownership for lower income people increase significantly because I think that will make the biggest impact to their lives. You know, not only that generation, but that's also, you know, that's part of the, you know, you know, homeownership gets a bad rap today, but it's also for the majority of Americans, it's a large part of the American dream. So. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is part of my family's New York story is homeownership. Um, and I think I wish we had like seven hours to go through every, every part of this. Yeah. Well, I would love to kind of just like shoot the shit about how we can create, create, um, increase homeownership in a city where so many of us aren't saving because all of our money goes towards rent, yeah, which totally. I think the homeownership would it's, solve that. It, it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's, really it part is, of it. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. And I mean, like there's, if only there's a single solution, I also find so much about this rent bill being kind of like Obamacare where Obamacare wasn't one law. Obamacare was eight to 10 different laws yep. that just changed a lot of them yep. in almost a political. Everybody yep. agrees staying on your parents' health insurance until 26 is good. Right. Um, everybody agrees that getting um, like that r- itemizing a security deposit is something that makes everyone's life easier. Um, so I think like these are things that like to me are like no brainers. But then they're the things that you brought up where it's like, OK, how do you invest in an aging housing stock? If anyone's been to the apartments in Williamsburg where it's like a three thousand dollar, like an old building, three thousand dollar a month, like studio. You look at the staircases and yeah. these are lopsided staircases. Yeah. These are like Williamsburg did not have good house. Like you go to prospect um, or I'm trying to think Oh, Crown Heights or like in the Bronx on the concourse um, these are old buildings of great housing stock right. but you go to Bushwick you go to Williamsburg you go to like a lot of parts in the city these are just dilapidated yeah, tenements yeah they need a lot of, a lot of money yeah, yeah no I think a lot of these social issues you know because it's so they're so polarized I think the the MO of I win and you lose actually means we both lose mm-hmm. so um, you know when these um, solutions are kind of come together uh, and created they need to uh, have input from all factions so you mm-hmm. need to have people who really know the industry inside and out you need to know you know so so um you know i think you, you don't want any of them to be overly emotional and less yeah less kind of like logical you know I because think, uh, i think we're seeing emotions on both sides the, i think some people would say like at least a lot of the tenant activists might say like well we feel like real estate just isn't willing to come to the table totally, and yeah. then a lot of real estate would say like well you were literally starting in a negotiating point that would uh, entirely yeah. change my business model why would i ever agree to that totally yeah yes. well we, we can hope for the future <laughs> but uh, aaron yes. it's been uh, really fun thanks for having it's me been, on if we pleasure we'll have to do a round two thank you so much um thank you peter for joining us at my first apartment if you enjoyed this if you want to come on if you want to nominate a friend to come on if you know that crazy first apartment story um send it my way email me at aaron g at localize.city you can follow us on twitter instagram at localize nyc that's at localize nyc and thank you again so much peter awesome aaron talk to you later pleasure